Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, where we bring you the latest ideas to improve the health of our planet and its people. I'm Maggie Fox. Our planet faces many challenges, pollution, climate change, and new and re-emerging infectious diseases like COVID. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized insights into ways to help planet Earth. In this episode, we're looking at what the World Health Organization has called an existential threat to humanity, antimicrobial resistance. We're talking to Lance Price, a professor at George Washington University, who is founding director of the Antibiotic Resistance Action Center. He helps individuals and governments look for policies to help stop some of the practices that are accelerating the rise of drug-resistant germs, bugs that killed 5 million people in 2019 alone. Dr. Price, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Can you tell us how these antibiotic-resistant bacteria come about in the first place? I think most of the time what's happening is that we have, we're carrying around low levels of drug-resistant bacteria that we picked up somewhere else, right? We picked up in the food supply and now they're living in our guts, or we uh, inadvertently introduce drug-resistant staph into our nose and it's sort of living there, right? But then when we take an antibiotic, we knock down, we knock back the the non-resistant bacteria that live in our gut or in our nose. And, and those resistant strains have a chance to thrive, right? So they outcompete those susceptible strains and they we end up having a lot of those bacteria in our guts. And so I think that that's probably the primary way that uh, antibiotic use in humans today, in human medicine today, is sort of fueling the the um, spread, the emergence of drug-resistant strains. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they are evolving somewhere. And so in, in some cases, you know, there is, th- this does happen, but that's the, the evolution within the person. But that, I think that's a lot more rare. So in most cases, people are becoming infected with bacteria that are already resistant? Yeah, I mean, I think the most of the molecular studies that we've done, evolutionary studies, suggest that you know the mutations and the gene acquisitions that lead to bacteria becoming resistant to antibiotics, those events are pretty rare. But the transmission and the sort of silent transmission of those are pro- is probably pretty common. And so we're all, you know, we're getting exposed to these things all the time. And a lot of these bacteria that we're interested in are opportunistic pathogens. So they're colonizing opportunistic pathogens. So they basically can colonize our bodies without any symptoms. And it's just, they're just sort of hanging out, waiting for that opportunity to cause an infection. And so it's when they're, you know, hanging out in our body or on our bodies, and we take those antibiotics, we give them an, an advantage, right? We, we allow them to thrive and grow. The other thing that happens, you know, besides that colonization part is that what has happened is that fairly aggressive strains have become resistant to antibiotics too. And so, you know, those opportunistic infections are taking place by resistant strains. And when the doc goes to treat the patient, that treatment fails. Of course, carrying bacteria isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? We are walking ecosystems, right? So we are this the microbiome for the past, you know, decade has become really a, a hot topic in science. And I think it's really required this sort of reevaluation of our relationship to microbes. You know, uh, in medicine, we sort of, they sort of 
treated the body as if it should be sterile, right? And so, you know, you do, when there's bacteria there, there's a problem. But what we now realize is that it's just the opposite. Bacteria, diverse bacterial communities are usually a sign of health. And it's just that when we get infected, when we get the bacteria into the wrong place, that we have a problem. Since the 1940s, really almost as long as there have been antibiotics in clinical medicine, uh, food animal producers have been using them in low doses to to make animals grow faster, use their feed more efficiently. They never knew why this worked. The data aren't really that great, at least the publicly available data aren't that great as far as how well it works, but there's a reason they're using it, right? So they're giving them antibiotics because they think they're uh, saving money on feed and time. For me, I mean, the, the biological questions of how this works and why it works is sort of, it's sort of a sideshow. This is an abuse of antibiotics. It's an abuse of life-saving medicine. These are, you know, we're using them as cheap production tools instead of holding them up as these precious things that can lose their utility, can lose their effectiveness the more we use them. And so as we use them to save money in animal production, we're undermining their utility for human medicine or even animal medicine. What difference does it make to people if farmers feed antibiotics to their livestock? Well, it wouldn't make a difference if those animals were living in some sort of vessel and, and you know, they never defecated and that, that feces was never spread into the environment. Or when we chopped them up into meat, they somehow sterilized that meat before they were delivered it. But what happens in real life is that you're fueling the growth. When you give the animals antibiotics, you're fueling the evolution or at least the selection of drug-resistant bacteria within those animals. They then have lots of drug-resistant bacteria in their guts. When we chop up those animals and on their skin and their noses, and when we chop up those animals to make meat, we inevitably contaminate some of that meat with those drug-resistant bacteria. Then we package up that meat and we deliver it to grocery stores across the country, right? So we have this, this great system, great, uh, I put in air quotes, great system for, for driving the, the emergence of drug-resistant bacteria in these animals. And then we have this, this delivery system for getting them to people. And that's just the foodborne route, right? And then there's also the environmental route and occupational route. So the people that are working with these animals are at excess risk for picking up um, these drug-resistant bacteria. Then there's the environmental risk, right? So these animals all defecate. What do we do with that feces? We pile it up and then we apply it to land as fertilizer, right? So we're introducing this into the environment. And then you can have runoff events when it rains, that drug-resistant bacteria can be introduced into streams and then that can end up contaminating vegetable crops, right? So it's a big problem. So what can we do about it? I think the first thing we do is we as a global community appreciate the life-saving capacity of these drugs and we treat them accordingly, right? So we only use them when absolutely necessary, both in animals and in people. What you should be doing is raising the animals in a way that promotes their health rather than their illness, right? We have a system right now, this industrialized animal production system that really promotes sickness, right? You crowd animals together, you stress them out, and you raise them in a way that, that makes them sick. And then you use antibiotics to try to prevent those illnesses. That's a broken system to me. We need new antibiotics, right? So there are some bacteria that have just 
some strains of drug-resistant bacteria that are just, they have invaded most and dangerously close to all of our good, safe antibiotics. So we need new antibiotics for those. But the last thing that we need to do is just dump those into the same system that's led to the evolution of drug-resistant bacteria in the past, right? And because it's foolish to think that we wouldn't just see resistance emerge, you know, within a couple of years. If you look at the pattern, that's exactly what's happened. Every time a new antibiotic's been introduced, resistance emerged, and it, re and it emerges, it seems to emerge more quickly each time, right? Because who knows? Ecologically, why? But I think the most important thing, or the thing that we have to do in, in parallel with developing new antibiotics is to develop systems that can sustain those new antibiotics. Can you describe for us a world where antibiotics have stopped working? We have a hard time fathing them because we've always had another drug. And even the docs that are dealing with these extensively resistant bacteria, I think they actually, most in high income countries anyway, don't know what it's like to cross that threshold of really resistant to pan resistant. Because with really resistant bacteria, when you throw everything you've got, you still stop the infection. Right? So if you throw everything you have at a septic patient, one of those drugs is going to work and you're going to save their life. But as soon as you have bacteria that are resistant to everything and somebody gets sepsis with that, that strain, you throw everything you've got and that person dies, right? Because sepsis especially, you know, every hour that you delay successful treatment, the risk of, of death goes way up, right? You know, most urinary tract infections are caused by E. coli. Most people don't know that, right? It's like 80% or more. And we now have strains of E. coli that are really, really close to pan-resistant, right? As soon as those bacteria go from susceptible to pan-resistant, a UTI, a urinary tract infection, goes from a painful annoyance that's easily cured with an antibiotic. You know, you can drink it with cranberry juice or water or whatever, but, you know, it's that antibiotic that kills the infection. As soon as it's untreatable, it goes from a painful annoyance to a potentially deadly infection because that bladder infection can ascend, that cystitis, that, that infection that's in the bladder can ascend up the ureters into the kidneys. And then once it's in the kidneys, it has access to the blood, right? So, and then bacteria growing in the blood is really, really dangerous. And you can get most serious form of bloodstream infection, which is sepsis. And then your whole body is, is like is basically shutting down and you need drugs to treat those infections. I see this challenge, this threat, second only to climate change. But unlike climate change, this is something that I think we could tackle in high-income countries. We could tackle this in, in 10 years with concerted effort. And in low- and middle-income countries, if we really put the kind of, you know, even a fraction of the money and effort that we put into battling COVID, I mean, I think that we could really start to get this under control in a few decades in low- and middle-income countries. And that's what we have to do, right? We need a campaign, a global campaign on the scale of, you know, the pink ribbon campaigns, you know, and the, these, you know, stand up to cancer and, and other campaigns that have been so successful in helping people understand what's at stake. Dr. Price, thanks for sharing your insights. You can share this podcast, which is brought to you by One Health Trust by email, Twitter, or your favorite social media platform. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about it. O-W-O-H. That's O-W-O-H at onehealthtrust.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust. I'm Ramanan Lakshminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World, One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Follow us on social media at One Health Trust One Word for updates on One World One Health and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers, and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.